1: Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app, made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their value. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Show. I hope you have a good weekend. Where I live in Southern California, it is near mountains and a little north of L.A., just a little, like 20 minutes, and yet... Behind my home is an entire range of mountains that are white, and it's it's quite a it's quite a vision. I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory. It's like saying I breathe. <laughs> Why uh, is the nihilistic left so prevalent on the West Coast, for example? Oregon, Washington, and California are truly sick it's there's no there's no better word for it just sick. When people have it too good th- there shouldn't be a too good, but for many people, there is such a thing as too good. They create issues to fight so that they have meaning. That has been deprived to them because of the combination of secularism and affluence. And in the case of the West Coast, beautiful weather uh, for the most part in Seattle has its challenges and natural beauty. Where life is tougher, the, the left has less clout. That's why there is a gigantic affluent class of destructive people. Do you know that everything the right said, I don't mean some isolated crackpot voices, but everything conservatives said during COVID, for which we were attacked mercilessly, which only proved to me the moral state and the intellectual state of, of the left, we were right. We said it uh, was overwhelmingly likely that COVID started in a Chinese lab, and now the Department of Energy has essentially said that that is exactly what happened. We said that the lockdowns were uh, immoral, destructive, unscience-based. We were right on that. We said that the masks were on the same moral level as the Islamic veil and should be uh, dispensed with you know that I walked through airports? I remember this, because this I must admit, I'm a very strong guy, but I admit it was not easy in the beginning. I was the only one I could see, for example, at LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, and I fly a great deal, as many listeners know, the only one at times of thousands of people who was not wearing a mask. I put it on in order to enter the airplane. You couldn't enter the airplane if you didn't. But I, I knew that it was a farce, and it was all all it did was damage, just like the lockdowns, just like the lie about the origins of the Wuhan flu, which is what it should have been called, just like other flus were named after where they began. I assure you, if the flu—excuse me—if the virus had started in Oklahoma it would have been known as the Oklahoma virus but uh, the left found it intolerable that a chinese city would be the origin it was a fluke it went from bats remember that the bat story bats bats did it <laughs> and what what was the other animal pangolin. What's a pangolin? Does anybody here know what a pangolin is? Have you ever met one? Uh, You know, you talk like uh, uh, pangolins are part of your life. We were right on everything and the data will start to come in about uh, what happened on January 6th. Did in fact FBI agents or any other federal agents take part in January 6th? I don't know. I'm not saying they did, but for the first time, I'm asking the question publicly. How did the gigantic door get opened? Can't open it from the outside. So it had to be opened from the inside, to the best of my knowledge, and I've done a fair amount of reading on this, the gigantic, what's known as the Columbus Door. What what the left is doing to this country is destroying it. It's as simple as that. And if you vote for the Democratic Party, you are participating in, in the destruction of the country and the consequences to your children and grandchildren. So I should probably give you an example of what the left has done to the country. This is from USA Today. Gen Z, well, the one, they're, they're born when? In the uh, 90s? What, what is Gen Z? Yeah, or 2000? Yeah, yeah. That's Wait, so what are millennials?
0: Mental, millennials are
1: like 30... Oh, like five, let's 30, see, 40. maybe this... So this is, uh, I guess, 25 and under? Yeah. A total of 7.2% of U.S. adults identify as LGBTQ, and younger generations, particularly those 25 and under, are driving the numbers, according to a poll released Wednesday. The Gallup survey of 2022 data also shows that the number of U.S. adults who identified as LGBTQ has more than doubled in a decade. By 2012, Gallup found that 3.5% of U.S. adults said they were LGBTQ. That number surged to 7.1% in 2023 before holding steady last year. Oh, sorry, 2021, sorry. So millennials are 81 to 95. 81 to 95 are millennials and 95 on... Okay, 90 to 2010. So there you go, Gen Z. So parents continue to send their kids to school. Why do you think the numbers are so high? Uh, all of a sudden, for the first time in recorded history, people are are born with, uh, which is what they said at Boston Children's Hospital. Remember that? You're born? You're born transgender. You're born gay, you're born lesbian, you're born bisexual, you're born queer, you're born anything. So are are more people born this now? Isn't it obvious that uh, they have been deeply influenced by their peers and and by their awful, awful teachers and the awful, awful therapists who affirm that Isn't it amazing? If you said to somebody 20 years ago, your kid says, your 12-year-old says he's a girl, and then you bring your 12-year-old to a psychotherapist, and the psychotherapist will affirm your child's sexual identity. Everyone living would have assumed the therapist is affirming that the boy is a boy. But today, in the blue is orange, up is down, good is bad, bad is good, world of the left. The affirmation is that you are not a boy. The affirmation is that you are the other sex. Wow. We've seen a doubling representing a total of 3.7 increase uh, in, uh, in 10 years. Gallup senior editor Jeff Jones told USA Today, At that rate, in most years, we would expect to see rather incremental changes on the order of tenths of a percentage point. The incremental increase add up to something more substantial. One of the key takeaways from the annual poll in recent years has been the growing presence of Generation Z in embracing new identities. Hmm. I think the data are clear that LGBTQ identification is highest among the younger generation. Okay, so therefore, my friends, please understand, the chances are quite good. I I read to you what a friend of mine, whose kid goes to an LAUSD school, said, half the girls in his class identify as gay, as lesbians. Hmm. That's not atypical in a big city public school. Now, this guy is a deeply uh, religious Jew and is confident in his kid remaining a boy and keeping his values intact, but most parents can't be so sure. I'd like to introduce you to Monorail, America's investment app that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. Monorail is an investment and savings app that is made for patriots by patriots. Doesn't matter whether you're an Apple fan or if you prefer Android, Monorail is available in both environments and online at monorail.com. Monorail is safer for users with bank-level encryption and biometrics. Your money is protected with Monorail through Securities Investor Protection Corporation and the FDIC. No matter how you engage with Monorail, you're getting the security and safety that you need. Whether you're adding funds to your investment account, looking to buy a stock, or putting money aside for future purchases. With Monorail, you can put your money where it matters and utilize the economic power that built this country. Don't go somewhere else to trade stocks. Monorail gives you the freedom to purchase whole or fractional shares in companies you believe in. It only takes five minutes to download the app and set up. Join the pro-America money movement. Join Monorail. Call on you, I'm, Call on you, I'm, I'm Dennis Prager and I am honored to be with you. I have uh, been sharing with you... The piece which I, I believe, I actually think it may be even more uh, damaging news than that. Unless you think it's a wonderful thing that all these kids identify as, for example, transgender and so on. If you're gay and you're, you're look, there are gays in my life who are some of the finest people I know my wife and i are godparents to a gay couple's children and they they find this they they find this to be as obnoxious uh, as i do as as my wife and i do a lot of gays are troubled by what is uh, what is happening to kids today you know what i'll tell you the the great word Well, there's one of the great words to describe what kids are today as a result of the left. Confused. Growing up is confusing enough. But to have the adults in your life confuse you, you you may not be a boy, you may not be a girl, you don't know for sure. Uh, You may be gay, you may be bi, you don't know for sure. So question all of this. The power of society, look, how did Greek society get men who could afford it to own basically boys for sex, basically heterosexual men? Hard for me to understand as a heterosexual, but it was the case, and not only in Greece, but in many other societies in Afghanistan today, as we have found out about all the young boys who were used as sex toys by men. Culture has an enormous impact on how people express themselves. The Judeo-Christian culture did a spectacular job in channeling the wild human sex drive into monogamous marriage. I, I am a man, I seek to marry a woman, bond with her. As it says in Genesis, it starts very early, Al-kein ya'azav ish et daviv and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother v'davak b'ishto. And he shall cling to his wife or to his woman. And by the way, notice it doesn't say to his women, even though polygamy was illegal. The Old Testament did not like it. You learn values from the Bible, A, through law, B, through stories. Three through injunctions, but that's similar to law. So basically stories, are also sources of the, of the moral tenets of the book. It changed everything. Taking the wild male sex drive and channeling it into marriage to one woman was one of the extraordinary achievements of the Judeo-Christian world. I told you I'm reading a book by a Harvard professor of evolutionary biology. And he, it's, it's fascinating. He has no axe to grind. He's not religious. He, for all I know, he's an atheist. He's certainly a, a Darwinist. And uh, he just makes the point. It was all changed from every other society in the world. What the church did, and the church, of course, was rooted ultimately in the Hebrew Bible, as well as in the New Testament. That's why it is so correct to say Judeo-Christian. The only two religions that share a Bible are Judaism and Christianity, which share the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, whatever term you wish to use. And it is all being undone, and now the dam has broken, and the flood of chaos is drowning our society. The left is a force of chaos. It is the world of the mean, the world of the lie. So now that it's come out that it was a Wuhan lab, that that even a government agency, the Department of Energy, has acknowledged this, anybody on the left saying, well, we apologize to those of you who uh, we called conspiracy uh, theorists, right? Conspiracy mongers, that it started in a Chinese lab. Conspiracy mongers that the vaccine was not good for children. Conspiracy mongers who said that natural immunity was at least as good as a vaccine. Conspiracy mongers who were against lockdowns and masks. We were right on every issue. That's why I went right. I saw and I said, whoa, they turned out to be right. I started out good. New York, Columbia University, liberal, never a leftist. I hated the left from the day I could read. People who slaughtered a hundred million people and who enslaved a billion others, and I'm going to have sympathy for that crowd? Whew. But people do. The sympathy is so deep that Stanford University is becoming like a communist society. Stanford universities this is the uh i want you to know it's National review, which is moderate and i don't say that at all as a uh as a negative please understand that I've written for them many times, and I enjoy their website immensely but they these these are not what I often call flamethrowers. Stanford University's pernicious snitching apparatus. That's right. They will actually pay you to snitch. And, of course, you remain anonymous. If, there, if you know of a student or teacher who has any bias, Stanford is becoming a bad place. Well, hello everybody. Let me take this call. Lawrence in Chicago. Hello.
2: Dennis, love starts with you. Uh you you are a uh, you are the, the lead of America. Uh that's who should be president of the United States, but you are a great man.
1: Thank you. Tell me why you're calling. Other than than Uh, to tell me I'm great.
2: (laughs) Dennis, I I want to tell you, I was a boots-on-the-ground activist uh, for 20-plus years out of Chicago. I was at January 6th. I was standing in front of the Columbus doors. These are huge doors, eight-foot-tall, about five-foot-wide, double doors. They're full bronze. It's thick. And the only way the first set of doors to be open is electronically by the Capitol police. The police stood in front of them when the doors were opening. Then there's a second set of doors that are similar size, but with glass. And no police officers were warning people that if they entered them, that they would be breaking the law. There was no warning. There was also antagonizers that were provoking problems in front of the door that they were taking a, a lead either from somebody inside. So this was a complete setup, but I was there to talk about possibility about election wrongdoings, that it's possible that the Democrats may have abused the corrupt voter rolls. They may have used corrupt voter rolls to set out mail in ballots to ballot harvest. But on the other hand, the Republicans didn't use the voter rolls to ballot harvest. So I wanted to, early in the morning, I was there. I did not follow the crowd. I'm a loner. I went to the Capitol to see if I could run into a staff member to talk about the possibilities of why this election is where it's at. And at the time, I saw two people waiting to to, uh, to walk into the Capitol at about 1030 in the morning so that told me that the Capitol was open to the public, that they were there to monitor. So at 10 o'clock, 10.30, NPR and a couple other journalists approached me and asked me what conversations I had with those people. And I said, well, I'm just here advocating for election integrity. And NPR put me in the article that is if they talked to me at 2.30 in the afternoon. They forgot to mention that I was there at 1030 in the morning, peaceful, nonviolent, no problems. It was a ghost town. hardly no police officers around. I also showed my ID to show them my, you know, Lawrence Likertz from Chicago, a well-known activist. So the uh, FBI knew of me on January 6th. They waited 11 months. Uh, They they, they made my life hell for 11 months, treating me like a domestic uh, terrorist. Uh, police pulled me over every time I drove out of the city. Uh, they would not let me fly. Uh, they would not let me open up any, any uh, bank accounts. And, and December 1st, uh, early in the morning, they battered down my door with a SWAT team, traumatized me, re-traumatized me. Uh, it was, it's awful, Dennis, what's going on. With it, it is,
1: that is correct. That's uh, why I took your call. A year ago, or certainly, well, maybe even a year ago, I don't know, I, I would have heard this and I, I i wouldn't have dismissed it, but i I would have been agnostic. I don't know what I would have been, but now I can tell you, the United States of America has become a... A repressive regime. Words I never imagined that I would utter. It has changed my view of so much. My core values are are reaffirmed entirely, entirely. American values, a combination of Judeo-Christian values, and the love of liberty. And so much else. I have a whole book on that. It's more relevant today than when I wrote it. Still the best hope why American values need to triumph. Boy, they need to triumph in America. And they did, and they made the best country that ever existed with all its flaws. But we now have political prisoners in the United States. We have the use of police and FBI to oppress to oppress, to persecute American citizens who differ with the Democratic Party. Many investment advisors have been recommending cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. They claim it's the new gold. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin, and Bullion. Why would you buy the new gold when you can buy real gold and silver? Which have maintained value for thousands of years versus the highly volatile crypto market when i purchase gold and silver i do so from my friend and i don't often say my friend in these ad copies nick grovich owner of amfed coin and bullion i like the fact that it's tangible i can hold it and control how it's stored unlike digital currency that's held in a digital wallet i want to preserve my wealth which is far from the case with bitcoin spiraling drop in price nick's been in the precious metals industry for over 41 years and he has established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. Call Nick and his team at Amfed coin and Bullion to take advantage of his honest advice and extensive expertise. 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. Hello, everybody. Hope you had a good weekend. And... List, to say i did i began the show by noting that the government now at least the department what is it of energy yeah. has acknowledged that the covid virus originated in a, in the wuhan lab so you can thank chinese scientists for the million or so deaths in the world from covid and the uh, horrific use of COVID to control societies and ruin kids' lives, ruin businesses, ruin the social lives. I'll get to that, too. The crisis of young people. There is no time in American history where being a young person was more difficult or was equally difficult as today, and I'm including the Depression and World War II. The confusion sown in the lives of young people by confused adults called leftists. There will be perhaps permanent scars in their confused lives. When the adults in your life are a-holes, uh, you have a, a troubled youth. Most of the adults in the uh, in, in academia, starting in elementary school, most, not all, are fools, and that's where all bad things begin, with fools. Wisdom is the root of goodness, and wisdom has been destroyed by the left. After all, if you don't trust anybody over 30, you can't learn much wisdom, can you? So that's uh, that's the latest uh, admission. Lancet, one of the most prestigious journals, science journals on earth has just acknowledged that natural immunity is better than vaccinated immunity. I did not get vaccinated, as I noted during the hysteria, the gigantic hysteria built up. I was the subject of great mockery on the left. And every time they do that, it only reveals the moral and intellectual level of the left. I and others like me were right on every one of these aspects, about not closing schools, about not wearing masks, about not getting vaccinated. We were right. We were right about the Wuhan origins. Will they ever acknowledge that? Will anybody say, hey, you know, the left has misled me on every important issue. Maybe I should consider the right. No, they don't. People rarely do that. And YouTube and Twitter until Elon Musk and Facebook did have done the, their utmost to make sure that people are not in any way exposed to non-left ideas. It does. The interesting thing is psychologically, it does not do a thing for me to know that I was right. And the left was wrong on every one of these issues. I mean, the major issues of our society. I'm not even mentioning defund the police. And the whole lie that the police are racist. These, it's a world of lies. Of the hysteria ba- that the lies create and then the suppression that they can in, engage in. Los Angeles has announced and it's its pseudo Marxist mayor that uh if you are a policeman and you are a member of a right wing group, you will be dismissed. So now ideology will be a factor. If she really won, and I don't know who really wins anymore either, there is no doubt in my mind that the Democrats have ruined election day and made it election month and, and bunched ballots together and mailed out millions of ballots to people who never requested them. Of course, all of this done was to make cheating easier. I would say that the, that, the, that determined the last election. I don't know. But if you, you don't think that the Democrats cheat whenever they can, Hugh Hewitt, who is as moderate a conservative as I know in my own personal life, My distinguished colleague at Salem Radio wrote a book years ago, If It Isn't Close, They Can't Cheat. That was a prescient book. If It Isn't Close, They Can't Cheat. That's exactly right. But even even if they don't cheat, the majority of people in Pennsylvania really wanted Fetterman to be their senator. Forget the the tragedy of his strokes. Did they want him to be senator, period? The, The majority of Pennsylvanians are in sync with his values? Do people know what they vote for when they vote for a Democrat? I think that they purposely do not want to know. I know some liberals very well, and whenever these issues are raised, they go, oh, of course, that's a crazy idea. Men men give birth, that's crazy. Bill Maher laughed at me when I said men menstruate on his show, remember, three years ago. Just three years ago, it was laughable. Nobody says men menstruate, and now if you don't say men menstruate, you're a transphobe. Yes, we were right on all these issues. There's a, there are a few doctors who called me regularly to tell me how wrong I am. And that doctors who disagreed. Were, uh, what's the word for a fake doctor? There is a special word. Quack. Quack. Yeah, that's it. They were quacks. <laughs> uh, no, when the great, late great, he was a great human being, Dr. V- Victor Zelenko, Vladimir Zelenko. A Chabad Orthodox Jew, uh, family, uh, in family medicine in Brooklyn, New York. I spoke to him at the height of the epidemic in the in the early days. He said, "Dennis, am I'm, I'm, I'm curing patients. The country needs to know about hydroxychloroquine and zinc." They're not dying. My patients, if they come to me early enough, they don't die, whatever their age. And I thought, is this man lying to me? Is he looking for money? No, I don't think he's lying to me. And I I admit, by the way, that as I feel with a, a number of religious people, they're less likely to lie on such subjects. If I had a doctor who was an evangelical Christian and he called in and said, Dennis, I'm I'm curing patients with hydroxychloroquine and zinc if they come in at an early stage of COVID, I would have thought, do I believe him or do I believe the American Medical Association, which lies because it's been taken over by the left? So I believe them. They turned out, I believe, to be true. And we still don't have the proof in the sense of having randomized blind testing. But I took it. I took ivermectin, and I took hydroxychloroquine and zinc. I'm not young. I had had COVID twice. I have pretty robust antibodies now. I didn't wear a mask at airports. It's a very strange feeling to be the only person doing something among thousands of people. It's funny, some leftist took a picture of me at, at uh, Los Angeles airport, I wish I, c- I could find that picture, and of course mocked me, look, look, the only one not wearing a mask, Dennis Prager. It's a badge of honor in my, uh, in my life, badge of honor. If you're not prepared to be alone, at least in some situations, you, you cannot do good on this planet. Overwhelmingly, the herd does bad or as Ann Coulter put it a long time ago, the mob. COVID-19. This is the state of the moment, and you have to rise to the occasion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of us. We had a great country, a truly great country, for virtually everybody. And they're ruining it. Because they're bored secular and affluent the worst possible comb- combination of factors plus there's a ton of money in it I will mention that I have this report for, on Stanford which is mind-blowing they have an apparatus to report you can anonymously report on any other student or any faculty member anything you want say anything goes into their record and stays there. Just like in East Germany or in China, that is Stanford. My friends, a food shortage could be coming. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. So survival food is important. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling For Patriots Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good-for-25-years super survival food. Hand-packed, right in a family-owned facility in the USA, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. Right now, you can go to 4Patriots. That's the number 4. 4Patriots.com. Use the code Prager to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You get their famous year-long guarantee after your order and free shipping on orders over $97. Just go to 4patriots.com to get 10% off with the code Prager for the number 4patriots.com code Prager.
2: You better stop the things you do.
1: All right, let's go to some calls here. And Vincent in Erie, Pennsylvania. Hello to you, sir.
3: Hello, how you doing, Dennis?
1: Well, thank you.
3: Good. Um, so I was um, drifting through the channels, found your station, heard you talking, been listening. Um, and you've been saying some things that I agree with, I have to tell you. Um, but I also tell you there are some things that I'm not quite sure of. of and I've got two kids um, who have gone through uh, COVID and such. Um, I'm not sure if their experience was, was worse than my mother and father's. My mother uh, and father both went through... Depression. They both went through World War uh, II. They went through World War. Or they went through Korea. They went through all these things, and I have to tell you that I think my life was simpler than theirs. I think my kids' life might been maybe maybe more chaotic, but safer. Even though there are shootings and such, safer. And I was wondering what your basis was for saying that the kids nowadays are having it worse than in, in, in any time in history.
1: My dad fought uh, for two and a half years. He was uh, an officer on a ship in the Pacific, the type of ship, he was a transport, so the type of ship kamikazes tried to sink. And uh, I would say that I know that my father felt this way, He had, that he had an extremely happy childhood. And uh, not, of course, he wasn't a child in the Navy, he was in his 20s, but it he, he, he was an extremely happy time as though it was fraught with physical danger. Kids today, Mm -hmm. you're right, kids today don't have the physical danger of a war or the economic uh, hardship of the Depression. But they do have something, I think, that is much worse. Confusion, lack of security, lack of direction. They don't get married, they don't bond. I'm going to read about this in the latest, how many men today... Uh, are just totally alone young men. We have a crisis uh, that is uh, unprecedented in that young kids at the age of five start to be told you may not be a boy or you may not be a girl, you'll decide later in life. That's a much worse childhood than the childhood of knowing who you are Having adults in your life who are responsible and mature and healthy, and yet having economic or war hardship.
3: Right, right. Well, um, and 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 again, uh, the things that you say are true, and I understand. Um, but I, I guess the problem that I see is that um, well, I've been listening for quite a while, um, and um, and a lot of things that you say are are things that divide us.
1: I we really need in this country is to be united. Well, um, I, I, no, I, I I, to... listen, I, I, I would love everybody united behind the American values. In God we trust, e pluribus unum, and liberty. I would love that. But I don't live in a make-believe world. This country is, is as divided, if not more, than it was in the Civil War. And during the Civil War, had I lived, I hope I would have said, we have to destroy slavery. That's how I feel about the left you you would have said yes, we should destroy slavery correct that's I said I hope yeah. I would i i can't I, could I know what I would for sure I hope I would, but I'm living now, yeah. and I know today's equivalent of enslavement comes from the left, just as it has well, for sure. most people in the twentieth century
3: right. I'm not sure if it comes from left or right. Um, I'm not going to um, get okay. a, uh, All right. Quick, All right. All right. Fair best. enough. So, All right.
1: Listen, thank so, you for calling. I, I, I appreciate it very much. To be not sure whether it comes from the left or the right, how could it come from the right? Conservatives want smaller government. By definition, we don't want to control your life. <laughs> You, you could say all you like about conservatives, but the, the argument that we want to control your life when we want to pass fewer laws and we want to have much less censorship and we want much smaller government, how do you oppress people with a small government? That was the dream of the founders. They knew how easily people could drift into tyranny, and we are. The tyranny comes from the left. Where is the tyranny from the right in the United States? The vast majority of tyrannies of the 20th century, the most bloody century in human history, were from the left. Communists killed 100 million non-combatants. How many people did right-wing regimes kill? You have the Nazis, if indeed they're right-wing. I'm I'm not going to get into that debate. Even if you call them right wing Everything other than the Nazis, every genocide was communist. And people have learned nothing. Nothing. It's it's staggering. Part of the reason they learn nothing is because they're taught nothing. Schools produce ignoramuses. Kids can't even read cursive. When I sign my book to a kid at a speech, I ask them, "Can can you read cursive half the time? They say no. Let alone write it. You think they know about Paul Pot? You think they know about Mao? You think they know about Stalin? You think they know about uh, the uh, the the mass starvation induced by Stalin, the mass murder of, of Ukrainians? They, 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 do you think think they know any of this? Think they know the Russian invasion of Afghanistan that killed a million Afghans? Ninety nine percent of Americans don't know it, including people with PhDs in history. The induced ignorance of the left. By the way, we really tried to co- combat it at PragerU. We put out a video a week of five minutes, just to teach. There's a video on every president. Didn't it just start now? By the way, didn't it go up? When did it go up? Last week. In the first ten. The first ten presidents, right? When did it go up? Last week. It's a great way to learn. By the way, the best way to learn history is through biography. You'll be mesmerized by these videos. None of this is taught in, in schools. I don't know what they're taught. They're taught that America is racist. That's what they're taught. And that gender is non-binary. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching the My Pillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code Prager. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code PRAGER or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. I have been transfixed about the Vietnam War all of my life, not because, not even primarily I should say, because it was the war of my generation when I was a kid, but because it is so pivotal in the way in which people see America, well, it was just a... a, a, neo-colonialist war in Southeast Asia, it was a waste, we didn't belong there, hey, hey, LBJ, how many babies did you kill today? I remember those chants when I was in my 20s. And a lot of what ails this country, I think, has its origins from that time in particular, the media. So, whom do you read to find out what really happened? Well, a projected three volume history of the Vietnam War, Triumph Regained, is the second volume. And it is uh, the Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. A uh, professor of his military history at Hillsdale College is the author and I have him on Mark Moyer M-O-Y-A-R. Professor Moyer how many years have you been working on this book? Well I can't Before,
4: In total for about 30 years this book I started when I finished t- t- this predecessor triumph forsaken in 2006 I did some other things and got pulled in different directions. And as you may know, it's not as easy being a scholar uh, when you're seen as conservative. And that has taken me a number of uh, different directions. But on and off, I worked on it for 16 years. What's wrong with
1: the usual histories?
4: Well, they are first of all, I think you need to think about the biases. And as you discussed in your uh, talk there, the Vietnam War was a seminal event of the baby boom generation. And I think the history has been overwhelmingly skewed by that perspective. And I talk about in the book, how war on campus is not actually unpopular until 1967, when all of a sudden the Draft rules change and you see this massive swing against the war among college students and not every college, but uh, particularly in the elite coastal universities. And I think, and, and I quote others to that effect from the baby boom generation themselves, that that there was a great deal of self-interest in this opposition to the war. And I think then people needed to justify why they were doing this for reasons of self-interest and Uh, because it wouldn't really look good to to have it be self-interest. So the war suddenly became this bad, terrible thing, and so much of what's been written since then, uh, which, by the way, most of it's written by people who didn't go to Vietnam, uh, so much of it has been written in an attempt to malign the war, to, as I said, I think, justify decisions people made in the 1960s.
1: I I have always wondered, one over writing question whenever i talk to people with whom i differ about vietnam i ask them this question and i i, I would like to tell you i tell almost every guest if you differ with me that is completely fine I, I, I really it's very important that you know that i ask them this question what is the moral difference because they always speak of it as immoral the war what is the moral difference between the Vietnam War and the Korean War? And by the way, when I have asked this to some prominent leftists, do you know what I always get as an answer? I'm sorry, I just, I just don't know that much about the Korean War. I have never once in my long life received an answer to the question, what is the difference between the Korean War, which we celebrate, and the Vietnam War which we do not celebrate.
4: Is that a fair question I pose? That's yeah, a great question, and you know, there are some things that were pointed claimed at the time, such uh, that you could use to to argue it was immoral by saying, "Well, it was." Uh, there was this homegrown Viet Cong movement. You didn't have an equivalent of that in Korea, but we now know the Viet Cong was actually controlled by North Vietnam, and they've admitted that. So. It is a war of aggression in just about the same manner as Korea. And, you know, South Vietnam had its flaws, but I'd like to point out South Korea had all of those. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, they're badly beaten at the open opening uh, times of the war. Lots of reported corruption. It's an autocratic government. And, you know, I think if we'd stuck with Vietnam, it would look a lot like South Korea today, which of course looks infinitely better than North Korea. That's it. I mean, uh, it it's it's an ode to the
1: ignorance of, uh, induced by our educational institutions that people don't know about the Korean War. 37,000 Americans died there, just to give an idea of the, the immensity of the cost of the war. Uh, but it's ne- it's never raised for whatever reason. We fought communism in a divided country in Southeast Asia. It, it's exactly how I understand what was done in, in, South, uh, in, in, uh, in South Vietnam or in Vietnam generally. So let's talk about uh, what I consider the, the great unanswered question for me at any rate, and it's, I think, important. If John F. Kennedy had not been assassinated,
4: what do you believe he would have done? I'm quite convinced he would have done more or less what Lyndon Johnson would have done, which was, when faced with the choice of South Vietnam being overwhelmed militarily in 1965, he would have decided to send in American troops. And I say that because Kennedy was at least as strong a cold warrior as Johnson, I think stronger actually. And there was great evidence at the time, which is much of it's since been overlooked, that in fact, the communist uh, expansion would have spread across Southeast Asia as had been predicted by the domino theory. And every almost everybody in the region at the time was saying it. And I just can't see Kennedy possibly bailing out, especially, you know, he talks in his his presidency about how he has to escalate in Vietnam because he failed in Laos and he failed at the Bay of Pigs, and we see the number of U.S. advisors goes from less than 1,000 when Kennedy takes office to 16,000 when he's assassinated.
1: There are those who say that uh, he wanted to, to get out of Vietnam and even go so far as to say that in some way the CIA and those who wanted to stay in Vietnam had something to do with his assassination.
4: Have you ever looked into that? The uh, I have not uh, taken a serious look. You know, I'm not convinced there was, You know, I haven't seen enough evidence to support any sort of theory. I mean, the, the Oliver Stone theory, which has got the most publicity, in which you have the uh, you know the military collaborating, and I think is is utter nonsense. And there's a whole fiction around the Kennedy withdrawal um, uh, thesis that is based on a few m- documents that mention how there was discussion of the United States maybe reducing its troops in the future, but that was in the context of the war, a war that was actually going pretty well in 1963, and pulling troops out because they were no longer needed. There was never any discussion with Kennedy and others. And, and those around him who have said this clearly, they never contemplated uh, pulling out. But you know, they also, this happened, his assassination is right after the assassination of President Ngo Dinh of South Vietnam, who Kennedy helped uh, get assassinated. And, and it's that event that will send South Vietnam in a real downward spiral. But that, at the time of his assassination, it wasn't clear that South Vietnam was about to unravel so badly.
1: You hold that the DM assassination
4: was a, if not the, turning point. Is that correct? It was certainly the worst mistake the United States made. And we've made a number of others, and they continue throughout the war, unfortunately. But if you had to look at one event, I think that's probably the single biggest, because... The South Vietnamese were actually fighting pretty well. You didn't have any need for U.S. combat troops. Uh, And as soon as he's assassinated, then you have this revolving door government where they keep purging people. Mm -hmm. And so the competence of the military and government goes way down. And then this also encourages Hanoi to to send entire North Vietnamese army units into South Vietnam.
1: The book is Triumph Regained, Volume 2 of the Vietnam War. Mark Moyer, M O Y A R, Professor of Military History at Hillsdale College. Major review of the book from a major man, Victor Davis Hansen, in American Greatness, that has just been uh, published, just today, in fact. It's an important work and. I think it's important for Americans to know this history. The book is up at com. My guest is a professor of military history, writing a truly important three-volume history of the Vietnam War. Volume 2, the six, 1965 to 1968, titled Triumph Regained. Just published Moyer as M-O-Y-A-R. His book is up at DennisPrager.com. Read the review in American Greatness by Victor Davis Hanson. Uh, I have an extracurricular question for you. Uh, which uh, you won't expect <laughs> but I'm, I'm annoyed and I want you to be annoyed why is there no audible version of your book
4: that's a good question uh, I think with these things they wait to see how well they will do sometimes and so if uh, enough people get interested then we will get the audible book going so uh, I'd be delighted if we can get it out mm. in, uh, in audible version
1: I love your publisher encounter, but I would not publish with any publisher who didn't put an Audible out with my book on the first day. And mine, mine Regnery, does. And uh, I, I, they, they're, they seem to be oblivious to the fact that so many people are now listening to books, and uh, and, and as I do, and find them a, a true delight. And by the way, I'm, I always get either the the book itself or the Kindle so that I can have in print what I just heard. So I I double purchase thanks to the fact that there's an Audible. So let your publisher know I'm annoyed with him and I like him a lot. uh, But writers have a a way of saying, if you don't have an Audible, I'm going to go elsewhere. So I obviously have thoughts on that. I wanted to share them with you because I want your book to be so widely red so another aspect of of the vietnam war is the the press reporting and i'd like you to comment on that and did it change again remember people don't realize this the the korean war was just 15 years before less than 15 years before in fact uh if we if we take your volume 1965 1955. So it's ten years before. I, I, my mistake. It was just ten years earlier, but it was like a different America between Korea and and Vietnam.
4: What happened? Yeah, that's right. You have this influx of a new generation, and some of the leading figures are people who will be well known to all Americans: David Halberstam, Neil Sheehan, probably the two foremost. Of course, they go on to write these books in which they purport to tell you all the truth. But as, uh, as I found, one of the fascinating things with both of those two, they were intimately wrapped up in this 1963 coup, and they were pushing it. You know, And later on, they give you the impression that they were these sages who knew all along that the Vietnam enterprise was doomed. But in, in reality, they were actually supporting the war. In 1963, but what they were saying was, "Well, this ZM guy is autocratic, and he has some corrupt people in his family. So, if we just get rid of him, things are going to go so much better, and we'll easily defeat these nefarious communists." Uh, But then, when the coup goes ahead and the things don't go well, instead they go the opposite direction. Then they start rewriting all the history of that period, and then they set the, the stage for others to follow. So you have this other, you know, generation of writers coming in and they want to be the next David Halberstam, who speaks truth to power and finds all the the warts that the officials don't want to tell you. And it's, it is interesting because you have some of the older generation, like people like uh, Richard Tragaskis, uh, Marguerite Higgins, Uh, some others who who saw World War II and Korea, they are highly critical of what they see from the younger generation. And this I think arises most prominently in the Tet Offensive of 1968 where you have all these journalists who uh, don't really know a whole lot about what's going on but try to claim that uh, the the war is actually being lost because the communists launched this big offensive, and of course, we now know that it was catastrophic for the communists, and they were uh, devastated by this. So, uh, they uh, also, is, it, is it fair to say they lied? It, to some extent, yes. And then some of it is, I think, they only saw what they wanted to see, and they they had their conclusions already set, and so they they kind of shut out things that didn't uh, go along with their preconceived notions. And, you know, another big part of that, too, and I talk about this in, in Triumph Gain, is that some of the older journalists are appalled that the, the younger group is completely ignoring what's going on in the city of Hue, where we now know at least 3,000, probably considerably more, South Vietnamese civilians were massacred by communist forces. I, th- based on what you said and, and
1: my, my, my previous views, people want to know when the 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 decline of this country uh, began i mean one could argue at the end of the 19th century with all the phd's who came from germany mm-hmm. and and started teaching at our colleges but you can i don't know so much when it began as when you can see it happening in real time and it is in the era between Korea and Vietnam. What you just described—the reporting of the Korean War versus the reporting of the Vietnam War—and again, the the difference in time, which—and I know a lot about the Korean War, and I got it even wrong—is only ten years. It, it, it's even less actually, eight years if you go to sixty-three. Uh, it's, it's nothing, it, it, and and yet the. The people who reported on the war thought well of America in in, in the 50s, and then in the 60s, they didn't. That is dramatic. America was a savior in the 50s and a criminal in the 60s. The book is Triumph Regained, the second volume by Professor Mark Moyer, M-O-Y-A-R. The book is up at DennisPrager.com.
0: The Dennis Prager Show.
1: All right, folks. Final segment, unfortunately, because I am riveted. Mark Moyer, professor of military history at Hillsdale College, the second of his three volumes on the Vietnam War, Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 65 to 68. Next question. We've done the press. We've done... Kennedy, the demonstrations. So there was a peace conference, the Paris Peace Accords. What happened and why did that not work?
4: So the uh, Paris Peace Conference in 1973, the North Vietnamese and Americans agree to a peace deal that removes American forces From Vietnam and North Vietnamese agree to stop fighting and to send American POWs back. Now, the South Vietnamese government objected initially to this arrangement because it left North Vietnam with the ability to keep forces in South Vietnam, and and you can understand why they wouldn't want to leave hostile forces there. President Nixon convinces them to go along by promising that he will intervene with overwhelming power if the North Vietnamese try another offensive. And the North Vietnamese had tried a big offensive the previous year, 1972, and they had been slaughtered. 14 North Vietnamese Army divisions had attacked and American air power helped, but the South Vietnamese also fought well. So it seemed uh, plausible that the US could ensure South Vietnam's continued safety. But as we know, Nixon gets impeached, and he's never able to live up to that promise. And so when the North Vietnamese invade in 1975, the United States sits by and lets it happen.
1: And the rest, as they say, is history. Well, we'll cover that with the next your next volume. What's uh, On a totally separate issue, my producer tells me that uh, you have some opinions on Ukraine. Can you share them with me?
4: Yes. Well, in Ukraine, for one thing, I think it's harder to make the case as to why this is vital to American interests. I think a case can be made, but um, President Biden, I think, certainly hasn't made that case to the American people, which is also something you saw in Vietnam, which Lyndon Johnson doesn't really make much of an effort to sell Vietnam to the American people. But in Vietnam, as I argue you're you're dealing with two real superpowers, China and the Soviet Union are backing North Vietnam, and there's great evidence that without uh, Vietnam, the rest of Asia is going to go. I think in Ukraine, Russia is not what it was, and to some extent, what we do in Ukraine can detract from what we're able to do against China and China I do think is now the number one threat and I'm, I also think it'd be tough to claim that if Ukraine falls, then all of Western Europe is going to fall. I think you certainly Poland is not going to throw in the towel if Ukraine gives in. Now, I do think Ukraine has the moral high ground here and they have been attacked and uh, the Russians have done some you know, unconscionable things towards them. I hope that we can get the war ended sooner rather than later, because I think it won't be. Uh, in our interest for this to continue indefinitely, which may you know, ultimately involve some kind of diplomatic compromise. I
1: thank you, and I recommend your book highly. And please
4: yell at your publisher. <laughs> thank you, Des, for having me on. It's great to be with you, and I, I, I love uh, all you do. I didn't know that, and I'm very
1: touched. Thank you. Triumph regained The Vietnam War, 65-68, to 68. Mark Moyer. And we uh, we need to know about that war. I said something earlier I would like to repeat, because there's so much said at any given show, in any given hour even, people forget. You can date the American change, I don't say that this, when it began, but you can date it between the Korean War and the Vietnam War. The Korean War was correctly portrayed by the media as a fight against tyranny by a noble country called the United States of America. The same virtually exact thing happened in Vietnam. Half communist, half anti-communist. We backed the anti-communists and the media, eight years later, said we were imperialists and villains.